Baptist, how are you? Welcome. Glad that you are here, whether you're worshiping in person or online. Thank you for connecting with us, worshiping with us today. So glad that you're a part of us and what the Lord is doing here. If you're a guest with us, uh, whether you're here in person or you're new watching online, we'd love to connect with you. And the best way that you can do that is simply to grab your phone and text the word CONNECT. To the number on the screen, 910-424-1298. Just text CONNECT there. You'll get a link sent to you. Click on that, answer a couple of questions. Whether you're here or at home, that's the best way to connect with us. We really encourage you to do that so we can know who you are and how we can minister to you and pray for you. But a few other things ministry-wise happening here. Just really excited about what the Lord is doing. October 2nd, we're having a night of worship. Friday night, October 2nd, we're going to come together, and we're just going to lift our voices to the Lord. Uh, we're going to call out to the Lord that He would do a great work in us and in our communities. We're asking God to really pour out His Spirit on us in profound and amazing ways. And so we're going to do that together, October 2nd, come together to pray and worship the Lord. I encourage you to be here Friday night, October 2nd. Um, also, on October 10th, our ladies, they're going to have a, a, a time to come together, a fellowship breakfast, October 10th. You can sign up for that by texting the word breakfast to the number on the screen, 910-424-1298. Please text breakfast there so we'll have an idea of who we have to look for uh, number-wise. We can make sure we have plenty of food for you, but it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time for our ladies to come together, meet new ladies connect in the Lord together, and encourage one another in the Lord. That's October 10th. Please sign up by texting breakfast to the number on the screen. And then also, uh, as you walk out the back doors, we have a, a welcome table. And, and, and at the welcome desk, we have some packets for a new discipleship pastor position that we're going to be filling. And so two weeks from today, that's going to be October 4th, after the 11 o'clock service in the FLC, we're going to have a quick church family business meeting to approve that position and the salary package so the search team that we have can go ahead and get that filled and uh, move forward in that. We're so excited about what the Lord is doing there. God is, Corona has not stopped Jesus. Um, when, uh, when Jesus said that uh, on this rock he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hell, you'll know, is a Greek word that means coronavirus. And so even, even that can't stop what the Lord is doing through His church. And so we're going to vote on that in a couple of weeks. So, so you can go grab that and see what that is. And we'll vote together on that in a couple of weeks. 
But during this season, this COVID time, we are doing things a little bit differently. Um, we're not passing an offering plate right now, so you can drop your offering on the bu- in the buckets on the doors on the way out, or you can give online. You can just go to the website, southviewbc.com, follow the prompts there to give online. Uh, we're doing extra cleaning. Uh, we're encouraging masks and social distancing. We're also, during the 11 o'clock hour, having a special uh, uh, room set aside that's mask required to get in. So you're welcome to go be a part of that or someone else that you know. If they're uh, having some health compromised issues, they'd like to be a part of that, they can do that during the 11 o'clock hour. But, but what we're wanting to do is, again, be as, as, as thoughtful as we can, as wise as we can, as health conscious as we can, but pushing forward for God's glory. We don't want to stop. We don't want to be held down by fear. We want to walk forward in faith. So we're trying to do that in the best way that we can. Um, I want to read a scripture to you that's going to guide some of our thoughts today. Psalm 42, verse 11. Psalm 42, 11 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. You ever talk to yourself? You ever had a situation where you're talking to yourself and you're going, God, why did you do that? What were you thinking, Brad? Get it together. David, the psalmist, is, is kind of saying that to himself right here. He's talking to himself and going, why are you so cast down? Why are you so anxious? Why are you so worried? Why are you so depressed? What is wrong with you, soul? What is happening? Why are you in so much turmoil? And talking to himself, he says, hope in God. He's proclaiming to himself the truths of Scripture. Our hope is only in Christ. Our hope is only in God and nothing else in this world. So what we're going to talk about today is where our hope is really found. And what I want to encourage you with today, what I want you to walk out of here today just emboldened with is the powerful, real vibrant, living hope that is found only in Jesus Christ. And as a follower of Christ and a child of God, believing by faith in Jesus, you it is your inheritance to live in a hope that this world cannot ding, diminish, tarnish, or touch. You get to walk in that hope that is given to you by God. So today, we're going to learn about our great, amazing living hope. I want to encourage you to to bow your heads just for a moment. I want to lead us in prayer before we jump in and we worship. Maybe right now you need to talk to yourself just for a second. Why are you cast down? Oh my soul, why is there turmoil within you? In Jesus' name, hope in God. He is your hope. He is your salvation. He is your fortress. He is your deliverer. He is the mighty rock on which you can finally build your life. I pray today, Lord, that by your grace, you would show us the things of this earth that we are foolishly trying to find hope in. And I pray, God, today that you would, by your grace, reveal the futility of that 
And in its place, show us the powerful, real, vibrant, living hope that can only be found in Christ and in Christ alone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do this in us today. I know that you are. I praise you for that. Thank you, God. In you we hope. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together.
was slain for the foundations of the world. We celebrate our Lord Christ Jesus. Let's sing.
says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. You are good. Let's sing.
Have a seat, if you will. So while we were singing, one of the songs that we sang was uh, one, if you grew up in church, you may be familiar with, It Is Well With My Soul, one of my all-time favorite, favorite songs. But you may not know the story behind it. The story behind it, it was written by a man named Horatio Spafford. Horatio was not a pastor. He was not a theologian. He was not a philosopher. Never wrote any books that are sitting on your bookshelf. He was a businessman, lived in Chicago with his wife and five kids, did well for himself, was a Christian, loved the Lord, active in his church, but just just like you guys. However, tragedy began to strike Horatio's life. His four-year-old son tragically died. Followed by that was the great Chicago fire that completely and totally ruined him financially. He lost everything. To try to build himself back up financially, he decided he needed to move his family to London. So he had some business he had to finish up in Chicago. So he put his wife and four kids on the ship and sent them on ahead while he was finishing up some some business there. However, while his wife and four children were crossing the Atlantic, they had a tragic accident. The ship sank and all four of his children died. His wife survived, made it to England, and sent a telegram back to Horatio just simply saying, Saved alone. Horatio boarded the first ship that he could to go be with his wife. And as they're crossing the Atlantic... 
the captain of the ship went down to Horatio and called him up and just said, I thought you might want to know we are right now crossing the spots where your children drowned. And as he was literally sailing over the spot that kept his four children at the bottom of the ocean, he wrote that song. Even when the billows rise and the waves overtake me, it is well with my soul. So here's my question. What in God's name could make a man have that kind of peace? What in the world could cause a man to have peace like that? Have good news. That is exactly what we're going to see today. 1 Peter chapter 1. So we're studying through the books of First and Second Peter. And we are doing it on purpose. Because what we're wanting to see is even when the world is crazy and life is difficult and issues are being thrown our way and trials and tribulations and doubts and worries harass us. There is something as followers of Christ we get to walk in. We have dual citizenship. We are citizens in the kingdom of God, but living as exiles here on earth. Our true home is heaven. Our joy, our hope, our peace comes only from there. We're just living here on this earth as exiles, seeking to further the kingdom and glorify God and bless those around us. And so we're walking to First and Second Peter to see how in the world do we do that. So what we're going to see today is this. How do we walk through life with trials and tribulations and struggles and difficulties in a way that, that glorifies God? So here's going to be the big idea for today, all right? Our big idea is we are blessed by God with a living hope that is bigger than earth's burdens. You have two things kind of side by side, blessing and burden. And I want to see how they go side by side and how God allows us his blessing to be greater than any burden that this world can throw at us. So that even when we're walking through times of great heartache and pain, just like Horatio Spafford, we can say, it is well with my soul. So how do we do that? First is this. We have to understand where our true hope arises. So, big point number one. We are blessed by God with a living hope. You are blessed by God with a living hope. So let's jump in together, all right? 1 Peter chapter 1, let's pick it up in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hang on one second there in verse 3. So here's the words that you need to circle. Living hope. That's our big point. That's our big idea. You have a living hope. So let's chat about hope just for a moment. So when the world talks about hope, 
Hope is defined in, on this earth as a sort of wishful thinking, right? You're, when you hope something, you're, 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 you want it to work out, but you're not sure if it's going to, right? I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope this works out. I hope I get this promotion. I hope I get into this school. It, you're, you're crossing your fingers. You're keeping a good thought. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. I hope. That is not the way the Bible defines hope. Hope in the scriptures is not wishful thinking. Hope in the scriptures is a steadfast confidence that God is going to keep his promise. That's biblical hope. A steadfast confidence that God is going to keep his promise. Romans 5 would say that the hope we get from God is a hope that never fails. It never diminishes because God is always faithful. And you, it says here, are born again to a living hope. Living hope. A hope that is alive, vibrant, real, pure, active, energetic, bringing things, joy, feeling, emotion coming into you, right? Living as in the opposite of dead. Right? A living, vibrant, real hope. Before we go anywhere, what we have to make sure that God allows us to understand today is where our true hope is found. Many Christians struggle in the faith because we're trying to find hope in places other than where God told us it has to be found. We're trying to find hope in this world. We feel hopeless. I googled how to get hope. Just research. Right, I googled how to get hope. So I'm flipping through, I'm clicking links, and you know, experts are telling us how to get hope. So I, I read through one, I just randomly picked one of the articles and just said, well, I'd like to read it. So they, they gave some tips on how to get hope. Number one, be positive. Okay, well, if I don't have any hope, I don't know what I'm positive about, right? That's the problem number one. Number two, it could always be worse. I know, that's what I'm afraid of. Right? That's why I don't have hope. Because it's going to get worse. Number three. When all else fails, just smile. Can I punch a computer screen? Like, is that, does it work that way? Like, this is actual advice. Here's how you get hope. The problem is, while we may look at that and go, well, that's silly... The truth is, this world is not much better in how it actually goes about trying to get hope. We're trying to find hope in relationships, trying to find hope in jobs, trying to find hope in education. We're trying to find hope in all kinds of different places. People are trying to find hope in an election. People are trying to find hope. Well, when January comes around, things are going to get better. I'm not so sure. We're all trying to find hope in something. And what the scriptures are trying to tell you today is there is only one place. So let's talk about this living hope just for a second. So verse 3 says that according to God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to this living hope. That phrase, caused you to be born again, is actually just one word in the Greek. And it means to, to, 
to reproduce something. In other words, God has made you into something new so that you can now experience living hope that you could not beforehand. There is a hope that you get to live in that a lost world does not. You get to experience things they can't experience. You get to know things they cannot know. You get to live in a way they cannot live, which is why we talk all the time, and why we're going to keep going at this over and over and over throughout this First and Second Peter series about how we live differently. You have been literally remade by God so that you can receive something they cannot receive. This living hope. You do have a hope they do not have. You do have an insurance they cannot have. You have a peace they will never be able to walk in. That's why they're trying their best to think of all kinds of ways to do it. That's why they're throwing billions of dollars into education and elections and policies and procedures, all of which are perfectly well and good and fine, and those things are great, but they cannot provide you hope. The only place it can come is our great God who has caused you to be born again so that you can finally actually experience this. It keeps going. This living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope because we have a living Jesus. Verse 4. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. This, this inheritance that we're receiving, we'll talk about it in just a second, but this inheritance that we're receiving, it describes it as imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept for you in heaven. There is something, your, your hope that you receive from God is something that cannot fade away. It doesn't get diminished. Again, it doesn't, this world cannot ding it. It cannot tarnish it. It cannot stop it. It is unfading, imperishable, kept for you in heaven, guarded, protected, secure verse 5 it's kept for you in heaven who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time this hope that we have can only be be lived in through faith how do we how do we experience hope through faith how do we walk in hope through faith Faith in what? Jesus Christ. He is our living hope. Our faith is in him. Our hope is in him. And we know and we believe that he is the one who has empowered us and given us this hope. But let's get to very simple brass tacks just for a moment. So we talk about this living hope, right? We are born again to a living hope. This inheritance guarded for us in heaven. Verse 5, this that can only be experienced by faith. What specifically is it talking about? What is this hope? What is is this inheritance what is given to us through faith the answer is this your inheritance through which you get hope that you can only experience by faith is god himself your hope is god and we need to stop here just for a second and drill down because that's going to seem like a nada answer but we're not living as if it's a nada answer your hope, your true living hope is just God. Not what he gives you, not what he does for you, not the prayers that he would answer for you. Just God. 
And we do not really believe that's true. And I'll tell you how we know that we don't believe it's true. The way we talk about heaven. You hear people talk about heaven. What are people excited about going to heaven? Well, I'm going to finally get a chance to see those loved ones that have passed on. I'm so excited about that. When someone dies, well, at least, at least they get to be with dad again. Well, you know, I, when I die, I'm just so excited because I had a loved one that had my, my, my father, my mother, my grandfather, my grandmother. I had a child that had a parent. I just, I'm so excited. I get to see them. We even talk about our pets. People, heaven can't be heaven unless Sparky's there. Tell me he's going. You giggle, but I get that email. I'm so excited to get to heaven because I'm finally going to get all my questions answered. Finally going to get to look at God and say, did Adam have a belly button? You didn't think about that until now. Now it's just going to tweak your brain. But think about the way that we talk about heaven. We are trying so desperately to take things of earth and cram them into heaven to try to manipulate us being excited about going there. Why? Because in our hearts, we don't really believe God is just enough. Heaven is not heaven because streets are gold and gates are pearl and grandma's there. Heaven is heaven because it's where God is. And if you don't love worshiping God here on earth, heaven is going to stink for you. You are not going to enjoy it. Might be because you don't know Jesus. Our hope is only Christ. Him and Him alone. Psalm 16, 5 and 6 says, God is my inheritance. Numbers 18, Aaron is told, God is your inheritance. And he tells us, God is your inheritance. What do you get when you get salvation? You get God. That's supposed to be the point. And that's not enough for us. Because we just don't see how beautiful he is. How amazing he is. How perfect he is. How worthy he is. And so we got to find ways to manipulate ourselves to be excited about it. The whole point here is that we have a living hope and his name is Jesus. And when you come to faith, you get him. You get to be one with him. And when this earth is done, you get to be perfectly with him forever. That is the point. You get God. Many of us never grow past my nine-year-old. Talked to my nine-year-old just last week. And he's a thinker. He's always got a thing going in his head. He said, Dad, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. He said, I'm not ready for Jesus to come back yet. It's okay. Well, why, buddy? He said, I want to get up. I want to grow up and have a job. I want to get married. I want to have kids. Now, are those good desires? Yeah, 
Yes, those are great desires. Do I want that to happen? Yes. The only reason I had kids is so that I can one day have grandkids. Like it's just a means to an end. I'm all for it. I love that. But in his nine-year-old brain, he hasn't quite understood that God is so glorious that whatever good thing we have on this earth is just dust compared to him. We don't realize that we are, when we're loving earth more than, earth more than heaven, we're, we're cramming our, we're like, again, my nine-year-old cramming his mouth full of dirt, thinking that's a dessert, when not realizing I have cake and ice cream waiting for him. And we are so hooked to this earth, so in love with this earth, so desirous of this earth, and finding our hope so much in the things, the relationships, the joys, the pleasures of this earth, we're never able to grow past the mental mindset of my nine-year-old. God is your hope. And when you see that he is your hope, then you're able to handle this next part. God's blessing. If you understand that that blessing of getting God is greater than anything, then you finally were able to, 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 to practically live out the understanding, the belief, the truth, the reality that God's blessing is bigger than earth's burdens. What blessing that God gives us in giving us Him is better than anything that this world might throw at us. So, so pick it up in verse 6. In this you rejoice, right? In the, what we just talked about, the blessing of God, this living hope, this God himself, that you get Jesus. That you're going to rejoice in. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's talk about trials for a moment. Jesus promised in John 16, in this world you will have tribulation. We love the promises of God, right? We love that. You got little promise books. We love the promises of God. I've never seen that one on a coffee mug. In this world you will have tribulation. Sipping your morning coffee. Praise the Lord. Right? That didn't happen. But that is a promise of God. In this world, you will have tribulation. But it goes on to say, but take heart, I have overcome this world. What we see here in trials is that, one, you're going to have them. It's going to happen. And they're hard. Look again at verse 6. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Grieved, you are literally saddened. You are broken hearted. The Bible does not throw out this Pollyannish, whitewashed version of Christianity where you just need to just smile no matter what happens. No, there are trials that break our hearts. And it says here in verse 6, various trials, which is an important word. The word various literally means multicolored. The point is, all kinds of different trials. You experience all kinds of trials. You experience trials that come as a result of your own sin. Anybody ever experienced consequences of their own stupidity? You experience trials because of someone else's sin they committed against you. 
You experience trials because we just live in a fallen world. You experience trial for being persecuted for your faith. You experience physical illness, trials. You experience emotional trials. You experience financial trials, relational trials, various trials. And he's telling us, you're going to be grieved by them. This is a thing that's going to happen. What throws us off our mark so much is then we are just completely and totally caught off guard when trials come our way. Like we had no idea it was coming. What? What? Trials are going to happen. God is telling you, you are going to experience them. Right now in my head, I have the voice of Liam Neeson in Taken. His daughter's under the bed. She's got the phone. He's saying, you're going to be taken. Right, I can, right now I can hear God telling you, you're going to have trials. It's going to happen. But they serve a great purpose. Look again at verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. That word is that, that phrase is really important. Though now for a little while. The little while he's talking about is not this week. The little while is your life. Your entire existence. The Bible is abundantly clear on this. Your time here on earth is a vapor. It is nothing. I like the way uh, Pastor Rick Warren says it. He says, if your entire existence from your birth all the way through eternity is a book, your time here on earth isn't even the first sentence on the first page. It's nothing. It's a vapor. It's here and gone. The little while he's talking about is their time here. He says for a little while here on this earth, if necessary, trials are necessary. They're on purpose. This sounds so strange and foreign to us because how many of us came to faith in Christ when someone came to you and said, God's got a great plan for your life, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, a plan to give you a hope and a future. Two problems with that. Problem one, he wasn't talking to you when he wrote that. Problem number two, the way he's going to do this in your life is through the trial Romans 8 28 all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose verse 29 what is the good that you are conformed to the image of Jesus and trials are necessary to get you there here's how it works here's why it's necessary verse 7 so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he says basically this. You're like gold. And the way gold is purified, they take gold, they throw it in a kiln, and it, they heat it up to about 2,000 degrees. 2,000 degrees. You thought July in Fayetteville was hot. 2,000 degrees. And what happens? The gold melts. And as the gold melts, the pure gold settles to the bottom and the impurities rise to the top. And the goldsmith skims off the impurities, cools down the gold, and when the gold is cooled, it is now a pure 
block of gold extremely more valuable than it was before it went into the kiln. But the only way the impurities can be taken out is if it's thrown in the heat. And that is the analogy it's giving for our life. Our trials have a purpose. The purpose is to allow the impurities of our hearts to be burned out. As you walk through trial, as you walk through pain, as you walk through difficulty, nobody likes pain. Listen, the pain relief industry is a multi-billion dollar business, right? Nobody likes pain. Every one of our medicine cabinets, you've got 14 things right now you can take if you're in pain. No one likes that, neither do I. But oftentimes what happens is we take that physical and we make it spiritual and we try our best to run from the pain. We want to run or we want to fight. We want to manipulate. We want to push against. We want to to lift up our rights. We want to proclaim our opinions. We want to show how we're right and you're wrong and they all need to do what I say to do. The whole time it's heating up for a very specific reason. God's trying to purify you. He wants to purify you. Just like he's seeking to purify me. And this is a timely word. Four times just this week I've had people call me up and go, here's an issue. And I I said, you know what, all week long I've been in 1 Peter 1. Let's read that together real quick. This is important and timely for all of us because this is a necessary thing that we're all going to experience during our momentary times on earth. The question is, how are you going to walk through it? So how do we do it? How do we go through the fire of trial in a way where we're submitting ourselves to the Lord, trusting the Lord, and allowing Him to heat us up and skim off The impurities, I think we see that in verse 8. Though you have not seen him, speaking of Jesus, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What he's saying is this. Even though you do not physically see Jesus or have not actually physically met Jesus, you love him, you desire him, and you're focused on him. How you're going to walk through difficulties and trials in life in a way that glorifies God and allows you to become purified is by you having your focus on Jesus. We all have something we're looking for. We all have something, a point of reference that we're walking to. Right? For some, every week, all you're doing is waiting for the weekend. Right? You wake up Monday morning. My six-year-old, she's in first grade this past Monday. I walked into her room. All right, boo, time to hop up. Let's do school. She said, I want it to be the weekend. She's six. I'm like, baby, you're going to have a long week if you just open your eyes on Monday morning. That's the first word out of your mouth. But for some of us, again... We never grew past my six-year-old. We're just looking for the weekend. Or you're just looking for retirement. Or you're looking to get married. Or you're looking for kids. Or you're looking for grandkids. Or again, you're looking for, I just can't wait for this election to get here. I can. Can't wait for next year. Next year's going to be so much better. 
because we're all trying to find something, again, a point of reference to give us hope to walk to. Right? If I could just get to that point. Uh, about 15 years ago, I was walking to the church, the church we were at at that time. I was walking down the hall, and I heard someone say, yeah, you should do it. Brad's going to do it. I said, what am I going to do? You're going to run a 5K with me. I don't run. It's like, ah, it's three miles. It's not a big deal. You got it. It's, it's four weeks from now. Run around the block a few times between now and then. You'll be great. Let's do it. Okay. So I do it. I sign up. It's not three miles. It's 3.2, and that point two matters, all right? That junk matters. So we sign up. We're like, all right, let's do it. I'm going to run. Let's go. So I start running. And, man, you, that sounds good. It sounds so good at first. And then you're in the middle of it. You're like, I just want to take a nap. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. I'm out. I want to eat a donut and take a nap. That's all I want to do. But as you're running, what do you do? If you're a runner, there's a point, like, for me at least, how it works for me is I'm just trying to get to the next point, right? I look at a point and go, okay, I just want to get there. I got to get there. I'm going to get there. Or, like, I have somebody in front of me and go, I'm going to see if I can catch that guy, right? So I'm trying to catch that guy. I got a point of reference that's keeping me going. This is what he's talking about. We got to have a point of reference that keeps us moving. A point of reference that keeps us going through the trial, through the difficulty, through this life. It's not going to be something of this earth because that's going to fail you. It's going to fail you. Relationships will falter. Finances will crumble. Your job that you've spent so many decades in, you're going to retire. They're going to throw you a party. They're going to give you a gold watch. And the next week, they're going to hire someone half your age who's cheaper. It can't be the things of this earth that are our focus. What he's telling you here is it has to be Jesus. It can only be Jesus. He is your living hope. So we get this. He is our living hope. He is our inheritance. He is our joy, our hope, our peace, our salvation. It is God and it's God alone. And as we walk through times of trial... We're doing that because he is seeking to purify us, make us more like Jesus so that when we're presented to Jesus, we look just like him. The only way we're able to walk through that is if our eyes are on Christ, our hope is in Christ, our joy is in Christ, we're walking towards Christ. So how do you do that? Say hypothetically you're sitting here today and go, that sounds great, and you're reading from the Bible, so I know it's true, but how do you do it? How do you do it? Well, here's how I think you do. Look at verse 10. You do it by digging deeper into the Spirit-given, Scripture-grounded gospel of Christ. Look at the way it describes it in verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ 
and the subsequent glory. So he's talking about the, the writers of the scriptures. He said they, they sought the Lord, they saw his spirit, the spirit spoke to them, and they inquired diligently about what's going on. They were given a foretaste of the gospel of Christ. They were given a, 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 a little bit of a glimpse into Jesus and who he is and the Messiah coming. And they were diligently seeking more out. They wanted to know more of this Messiah who is going to come to deliver God's people from their sins. They diligently sought Verse 12, it was revealed to them. That's the doctrine of inspiration. It was given to them so they could write it in the Bible. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in things that have now been announced to you. That's the, 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 the doctrine uh, where, where God is illumination, where God is showing you what's in the Scriptures. It is revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. That last phrase. So think about this. What he's saying there is this. The Holy Spirit of God spoke through his servants to give us the scriptures. The Holy Spirit now works through us to illuminate and bring to life the scriptures so that we can dig deeply into who Jesus is and let it nourish our souls. Things into which angels long to look. That phrase is awesome. It literally is saying, the angels look over into our salvation and they can't get enough of it. They long for it. They crave it. They desire it. They love looking and seeing how God miraculously saves sinners. They can't get enough. They're always wanting to see more and more and more and more and more. And if the angels cannot get enough of the gospel of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, we can't either. The point is, how do you how do you grow in seeing Jesus as your only hope? This momentary world is just fleeting. And whatever hits you on this earth, you are pointing to Jesus and walking through it with confidence and hope and faith because he's just using it to purify you and to make you more like the one that you love the most anyway. How do you do that? By diving in to God's spirit-given word. That points you to Jesus. If you have a well, and the well dries up, how do, you, how do you get more water? You don't get more water by making the well wider. You get more water by going deeper. And same thing for us. How do we go get, get, get more living water by going deeper, 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 deeper into this gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you in a couple of ways. As we look back at the verse we started with, Psalm 42, 11. First is this, I would ask yourself a question. Talk to yourself just like David did. Why are you cast down? Why are you hopeless? Is it because you're trying to find hope in someone or something of this earth? Is it because you're trying to find hope here? Why are you cast down? Why is there so much turmoil within you? Is it because you're looking to someone or something other than Jesus to be your hope? Hope in God. 
My encouragement for you today would be, as our band is going to lead us here in just a moment, we're going to sing again. My encouragement for you, if you need to confess, God, you're not my hope, but I want you to be, do that. It's not like he doesn't know. God, I know you're supposed to be my hope, but I, I struggle with that. Ask him. Ask him to show you deeper, deeper, deeper how worthy he is. To show you more of who he is so that you love him and long him and pursue him more and more and more. Today, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. You have a living hope. A living, vibrant, real hope. His name is Jesus. Trust in him. Turn to him. Walk through every trial and fire and difficulty by faith in him. Let him be purifying you and dive ever more deeply into his spirit-given word so that you can find out more of who he is and more of who he is and fall deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in love with him. And as we do that, we are truly living as citizens of of the kingdom of God and his exiles here on this earth. I want to ask you just to bow your heads for a moment. I want to pray over us. If today Jesus is not your hope, he's not your salvation because you've not trusted by faith in him for salvation, I want to ask you this morning that you would do that. Jesus Christ came, he lived and he died and he rose again so that again, like we saw in verse 3, he could cause you to be born again to a living hope. The reason you can't have hope right now is because you've not been born again. You can't receive the hope that comes only from God because you're not born again. But the scriptures tell us that the Spirit of God can cause you to be born again today. Trust who Jesus is. Trust by faith in Jesus. He died on the cross, was buried and rose again to take away your sin to make you new. Today, say, Jesus Christ, take away my sin. Cause me to be born again. Make me new. Fill me with hope that's only in you. If that's your desire today, we want to know that. We want you to come to us and let us know. You come to me after service. Talk to the person that you came with. If you're a follower of Christ today, are you living in the hope that's only in Jesus? Or are you still trying to find hope on this earth? Trust by faith in Jesus. Jesus and Jesus alone. Lord, do this in us today for your glory. I pray that we would see that you are our rock, you are our redeemer, you are our hope, you are our salvation. There's nothing that comes from anywhere or any place other than you. And we trust in you above everyone and everything. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Thank you all. Have a great week.